Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me, your host on a podcast dedicated to startups, entrepreneurs, founders, and even the angels and uh, VCs and uh, family offices and money people who who serve them, or is it vice versa? Sometimes we can't tell. We now also have a companion podcast, The Angel, which is more focused to the money side. Um, today, I'm very happy to welcome to the show Carl Swanepoel, who is um, the founder and CEO of Revolancer, which, as he likes to point out to me and others, is a combination of revolution and freelancer. Hi, Carl. Thanks for being with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Hi, Michael. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, and I want to uh, remind everybody you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Adobe, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube. You can find us uh, um, uh, in video format on YouTube and Spotify where audio and video coexist. So great to uh, have you. Make sure to recommend us and rate us, subscribe to us, and share us, all of those things if you can. So, Carl, I am very fascinated by this. You're actually coming to us live from... Uh, live from Wales uh, in, in uh, England, um, actually um, uh, part of the United <laughs> Kingdom, right? I want to be careful. Yes, right um, right next to England. <laughs> yes, you are a uh, separate country, now known for the Wrexham soccer team, thanks to um, Ryan Reynolds. But I wanted to ask you, so where is, uh, describe this revolution in freelancing. We all know about Fiverr, and other companies, um, I get solicited, as I'm sure you do, uh, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, probably 25 times a week by somebody with temporary help agencies in Philippines, all over the world. So what is it about what you're doing that's um, that's new and different? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think, first of all, the freelancing revolution is, is a long overdue because these large platforms, hmm. you know, the ones you mentioned and um, others as well, have been doing the same thing for the past 15 to 20 years at this point, and they haven't changed. And what they're currently doing is connecting businesses and freelancers and uh, making money by taking a commission. So they take a cut of the transaction. And because of that, they have to be very careful about where you can talk to you know, the freelancer as the business or vice versa. Because if you could speak outside the platform, you could easily arrange to pay outside of the platform after they've made the connection, and then they don't make revenue. Um, so because of that, you can't video call on these platforms. And now post pandemic, video calling is such an essential part of remote work. I mean, personally, I decided that these platforms were out of date 10 years ago and they haven't changed even today, even now a couple of years after the pandemic. Um, so like I said, I think it's, it's high time. We are, are, are doing what we can about it. We have well over 20,000 um, freelancers on the platform already now. And, um, well, we hope to be the revolution that the freelancing market deserves. And what is, uh, uh, where can people find you? Is it, uh, uh, what is your website? Yeah, so it's revelancer.com or if you just Google Revelancer, you'll find it. Okay, so um, what's interesting about this is five years ago, nobody was really using Zoom or anything quite like that. Uh, the pandemic came uh, and, and the rest is history. You and I have already Zoomed once before this. We're on the Riverside platform for podcasting, but Zooming is so commonplace. I mean, you, this is probably like, um, you know, for me, an average day is like, I don't know, four or five Zooms, maybe more. So it's, it's, it's hard to imagine doing business without it. And yet, 
on these platforms, I was on Fiverr yesterday and um, actually came across this problem of uh, not, and, and I don't think they really want you to talk on the phone, do they? Yeah, you can't. I mean, I get the, I get the feeling that's really discouraged. Are you aware of that? as well absolutely it's it's forbidden um so you can get kicked off of the platform if you try to exchange um phone numbers is that right oh that's okay. correct yeah for, for the large platforms that. yeah yeah so this clearly is is um a place where disruption is is called for but what's your business model because you you're critical of their model so what's your model what's different about how you do it well, we don't charge subscription fees. That means we can allow phone calls, video calls, exchange of details um, without any issue. Uh, and instead, we have an optional monthly subscription plan. So if you want access to additional features, you you pay five pounds per month. And if you don't, it's it's free to the free to the user, free to the freelancer. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. But by paying five pounds per month, you can send more sort of um, proposals to to clients. So you have a slightly higher chance of being hired and it's only five pounds per, per month as opposed to 25% of, sure. of your earnings. Yeah, so five pounds per month, uh, give me that in US dollars as of these days. Uh, probably about six USD or so. Six, okay. So not expensive. Um, and is that on purpose? I mean, you probably could have charged a bit more, uh, but I guess freelancers, you know, the Fiverr people, um, the, 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 the people on Fiverr, like, I literally feel badly for them that they are charging so little, um, not in every case, but in many cases, I mean, it just seems like so little money, you know, compared to what the value is. So how, how do you, um, is that true of your freelancers? Are your freelancers all over the world and are they, um, kind of desperate for this money in a sense? Well, I mean, the the other thing to keep in mind is on on Fiverr, they they because they take a twenty five percent commission. Um, the prices that you see, well, I, actually, the freelancers are getting a, a whole bit less than that. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day as well, um, we do uh, support. Uh, well, we're, we're an international platform. We, we we operate around the world, and and ultimately, um, our focus is really on on quality, but then also empowering freelancers to charge what the the work is worth, because ultimately. As a freelancer, you should um, determine your your pricing based on the value that you provide to the client, not you know necessarily um, anything else. To to be honest, um, so we encourage freelancers to do yeah. that. We have kind of a lot of materials um, teaching them the basics, and yeah. Well, one thing you know, twenty thousand users. I mean, to me, that's impressive. How long have you been in business? Yeah, so I've been in business for just over two years, but the platform has been live for uh, about 18 months at, at this point. Um, and a lot of that growth, you know, I mean, we're, we're, our growth is, is accelerating, essentially. So we went from 10 to 20,000 users in, in just the um, past few months. Okay, so that's uh, the so in the last couple of months, you've just you've, you've actually doubled, which is a, which is a good sign. Now, how but there it's it strikes me that in this um, in this business model, um, not yours, but just the freelancer, the virtual freelancer business model. The, the issue to me as a user of these services is that somebody in Kenya, mm -hmm. uh, where I actually have a virtual assistant, somebody in um, the Philippines, as I mentioned before, 
aren't they going to be able to charge inherently because cost of living and expenses are less um, and maybe their education is less, there are other factors, but aren't they inherently going to be able to charge less than somebody in the United States or, or the developed world? Um, but potentially, yes. I think in, in a lot of cases, the, the answer to that question is yes. Um, but equally, there are other factors to consider as well, such as, as time zone differences, such as, um, you know, I mean, yeah. there, there are a, a lot of reasons. I mean, we, we see companies sort of wanting to hire, um, not locally in the sense of, you know, just on in the same kind of city or town, but locally, as in within the same time zone, within the same country, that, that sort of stuff all, all the time. And equally, some, some companies don't. But we find that, you know, the... And personally, I find as well that the companies that are worth working with are those who pay, uh, you know, are, are willing to pay for what, you know, the service provided is worth, not just trying to find the, the, the cheapest possible option. So thankfully, we, we do see a lot of that. Yeah, a living wage, I guess you could call it. Yeah. So um, what kind of skills do the workers on the freelancers on Revolancer what kind of skills do they have? And is there any so, uniqueness there? Yeah, so it's essentially anything that can be done remotely and benefit a, a business. So the main four categories are uh, design, web development, media, and marketing. And we have a few others too, but but that's sort of the, the main part of it. How about chat GPT, AI? What what do you mean? Uh, sort of well, I, think I, I'm, I feel like... Um, that in fact, um, Fiverr has has already made concessions to this. I think they have some categories, but today you can look for an artist who is going to use um, an open AI type of tool, a gener generative AI tool, versus mm -hmm. an artist that's going to either do it the old-fashioned way by hand or do it online. So, or do it, pardon me, digitally. So, um, um, is that a category that's starting to pop up for you? Um, I, I'd say not so much in that people are, you know, expressly selling services as uh, ChatGPT or so. But I personally think that ChatGPT, um, you know, I, I think it can be a very useful tool for freelancers to kind of make their job more efficient. And not just freelancers, I'd say uh, probably every, you know, everyone on the planet with, a, you know, some kind of device and an internet connection, I think, can actually if they if they think about it for long enough come up with a useful sort of you know use case for something like chat gpt in, in their life to automate something or just make something more efficient but i don't see it at least in the short term as, as something that is really viable to fully replace uh sort of experts um because ultimately yeah. chat gpt is it's not sort of sentient or or, or thinking um it's it's essentially just a sort of very advanced predictive text um, that's been trained on 5 million web pages. So it can choose sequences of words that sound, you know, excellent, like they really fit together. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be factual. And, and ultimately, ChatGPT can be very useful if you're getting it to sort of generate something about a topic that you know about that you can then sort of audit and make adjustments. But it can be quite dangerous if you're getting it to write about something that you don't know about because it writes very convincingly and then you're just going to accept that as fact and that's a, it's a risk. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you summarize that really, really well and accurately. Um, it's, it's going to be a tool like any other, um, unlike most tools you go, if you're going to use it, you're going to go into it knowing it makes mistakes. 
Like, yeah. can you think of any other tool that like inherently makes mistakes? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a scissors just cuts paper unless you screw up, right? But if you had a, if Jachi, I don't know, I just came up with this analogy, but you get my point. Yeah, um, so there's an inherent problem. Now, everyone out there in Accelerator land, the listeners mm -hmm. of this podcast, want to know why you, Carl, have gotten so committed to this why are you doing this what's what's uh what's why the revolution why are you uh why are you the uh the lenin of this movement <laughs> well um when i was 13 i decided that i wanted to be my own boss um i then you know immediately tried to figure mm -hmm. out how can i actually sustain myself um tried to make money online found sort of freelancing platforms um you know, like that, that the big platforms that are still around today, I started freelancing on there. Um, and, you know, and quite quickly realized that these platforms were just out of date and not really serving freelancers. And this was back, you know, uh, about 10 years ago. So then um, so I how old, my own were, how, old, how old were you then? You're, you're not, pardon me for interrupting, but how old were you then? Uh, I was 13 then. I'm, I'm 23 now. So, so, Right, you mentioned that. So why, why, when you were thirteen, um, did something? Did you have a bad experience with the boss? Did anything happen that kind of spurred this? I've never had a normal job. <laughs> I certainly didn't <laughs> when I was thirteen. So uh -huh. no, uh, I have no idea where it came from, but it was just my my intuition on it, and it felt very it right much away. So for, correct. For ten years, you you felt this. Now you're twenty, only twenty three. So you're you're ridiculously young. Um, and, um, uh, but what, what, there's something going on inside of you, I think that says like, you must feel like a great sense of, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but a certain amount of feeling of injustice about this, that there's something like really systemically wrong, not, and not just with freelancers, but with, you know, economics essentially. Right. Cause isn't, isn't Fiverr just, uh, you could argue it's just capitalism at work. It's just like, you know, the marketplace, it's a marketplace, right? People competing for work. And when you have that, it drives, it tends to drive the price down. Is that something that you get passionate about? Or it is absolutely is. And, and, and I mean, um, yeah. you know, I think you can, you can argue, of course, that, you know, it's sort of, it's the free market, but I think also the platform plays a role in facilitating a certain kind of environment. And um, if the platform is taking 25% of the uh, sort of the, the, the freelancers earnings, right, and they're stopping you from communicating properly with the freelancer, one, how can you right. expect to get value for money as a business? And two, how can you expect to have a satisfactory experience with the freelancer if you can't even communicate with them properly and explain what it is you want, or figure out if they're the right person to work with? So you know, yes, a free, free market, sure. But at the same time, I, I think that the way things are set up is not only unfair to freelancers, but actually bad for clients as well. Why is that? Well, because you are, um, you know, a, a whole chunk of the money that you're paying the freelancer is not going to the freelancer. So, you know, I, I, you, you are essentially getting less already than what you paid for. Couldn't you say the same about Apple Store? I mean, maybe you would. It's like a 70-30 split. They're taking, you know, in, in most cases, 30%, which is even more than... than it, uh, it, it is. Than um, the, but uh, it, it, 
Sure, but in in, the, in that case, it's 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 a software based product, so you know there isn't sort of effort or, or manual labor in, involved in each sale. Um, so there, you can you can essentially price it at whatever, take whatever commission you want. Um, but here, uh, you know, in, in the case of uh, freelancing, you're essentially paying someone for their time or, or to provide a certain service. So there has to be, uh, you know, that their kind of input there. Um, mm -hmm. And there's and so, so first of all, that how can you expect value for money as a client if a huge chunk of it is actually not going to the, the person you're hiring? Um, and then secondly, how can you evaluate them if you you can't video call? How can you effectively communicate or work with them if you can't, um, you know, if you're forced to sort of write text messages you know, back and forth in this controlled platform? It feels, um, you know, the phrase slave labor comes to mind for me. It, it feels a little bit like slave labor, a little bit like you're in the gulag and, uh, you know, you're, you're being forced to work a certain way. There's something inherently, well, obviously there's something inherently distrustful. And I guess what you're saying is by going to a subscription model, you you take you kind of take that off the table. But I suppose there is is the risk that that one of your freelancers or a freelancer on Rebel Lancer will say, um, I'm going to contact my client directly now. For, uh, let me play this out just just out loud. So the freelancer contacts me directly. Um, and cuts you out of the equation. Um, first question would be, are you okay with that? Absolutely. We're, we're there to facilitate connections, not control and sort of be a third party to that relationship forever. So um, now, now looking at that same example, if I'm a freelancer and um, I, I, you know, or rather somebody comes to me, a freelancer comes to me, and they come to me directly, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to leave your platform. I mean, if they leave your platform, they're leaving a lot of money on the table potentially for other customers. Is that kind of your thinking? Exactly. I mean, free, you know, the freelancers we work with typically um, work with lots of different clients and frequently have a need to connect with more. And ultimately, if that's not the case, if they only want to find one client on the platform and then leave, well, they're not going to be sort of a paying customer for long then anyway. It's just not the right fit, which is fine because there are plenty of people for whom we are absolutely the right fit. Yeah. Um, so the, the freelancer on Fiverr is incentivized to stay on the platform, to continue to get the 75%, to get access to the marketplace, whereas the freelancer on Revelancer has to pay out of pocket, you know, a small sum. Um, in some places, maybe it's even a significant sum, but basically a very small sum, uh, you know, a third of a Netflix subscription. They can stay on the platform, they can have all those advantages, and they can go to a customer directly eventually and say, um, and make their own deal, right? So you're sort of like a deal-making platform, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, ab absolutely. And, and the other thing, if you're looking at it from a business model perspective, if you take Fiverr, who have a, you know, a market cap um, in the billions, if you take their annual revenue and you divide it by the number of freelancers on their platform, and then if you were to suppose that they all pay monthly, it would be about $5 a month per user. So it, it lines up. It would. So what's their, what does their revenue look like, Carl? Fiverr, do you know? Uh, I believe in, yeah. I think this is for 2021, but about three 300 million USD or so. Okay, so, so you know, not insignificant. And um, who are the other competitors in this space from your perspective? 
Yeah, so I mean, Fiverr's direct competitors are um, people like Upwork, Freelancer.com, People Per Hour, um, and then there are a few more, but those are the, the sort of significant ones. Yeah. So if you put them all together, would it be like a half a billion dollar industry or would it be a little bit bigger? Oh, a, a lot more. Um, it's, it's, it's a few billion dollars and, and growing quite quickly too. just the freelance market space. Okay. Um, but also quite interestingly, McKinsey predicts uh, that by 2027, more than half of the U.S. workforce will be freelancers. And that's tw 2027. Well, so that's not far away. Half. Yeah. And the, hi the hybridization of work sort of plays into this. Um, and and um, um, so there's sort of two sides to this, I, this, this uh, philosophically. One is that there are good things about the gig economy. It's not all bad, but there are really bad things about it. And, and it's a little bit of a different situation. But if you think about what's happening in Hollywood with the writer's strike, which, you know, I know a little bit about as a writer, um, you, you will see what's happening is before they would have it, it was kind of a gig economy, but they'd get hired for the whole year and they'd write, you know, 23 episodes of television. Mm -hmm. Now they're getting hired into the so-called mini room and they're writing six to eight episodes of television. And sometimes they're not even doing that. They're like just kind of sketching out the season in a mini room and mm -hmm. getting paid a minimal amount and not being allowed to participate in the production. So not learning how to run a show, not learning any of that. So there are these negatives to the gig economy the, the, the positives are that some people like to work that way and that there's definitely more flexibility and freedom. So in your, you know, I think so much of business is the business model. You know, do you have a business model that works? So um, let me ask you uh, about growth and team. So let's start with team. Who, who is uh, who is Rebel Lancer right now besides you? Well, right, besides, right. besides your 23-year-old self. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, a, we're, we're a team of eight um, uh, right, right now, sort of eight in, in the core team. And then we've got a few great advisors as, as well, who we work with on a regular basis. Um, yeah, so so quite a small team for now, but uh, but growing along with the platform. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And is, is everybody in Wales or are you spread out? We're, we're mostly in the UK um, with, with a couple of people in Wales. Okay, so what is, what is the next, um, we're talking in uh, 2023 in, uh, you know, basically mid-May. What does the rest of the year look like? Like, where would you like to grow? What's the number? The if sort of the headcount. Well, well, both um, headcount and then user, user count. Yeah, so we're, we're aiming to get count, to, a, yeah. we're aiming to get to about 100,000 users by the end of the year. Um in terms of headcount, I think it's it's hard to say. I I, I do think that to some degree, um, headcount, you know, if it's lower, is actually better. You know, if you can sort of operate well. Mm -hmm. um, we are raising a seed round towards the end of this year. So depending on what side of the, you know, the, the year end it closes on, essentially, we could be looking, I'd estimate maybe, um, let's say we close this side of the year, probably about 20 people or so by, by the end of the year, if I had to give a loose estimate, but you know, it's, it's really going to depend on a, on a number of factors. And how did you raise and how much money did you raise initially to do this? Yeah. So we've raised, um, in, in USD, probably about 700,000 USD or so to, to date. 
um, pretty much all at you know at, at the pre-seed stage. Um, we're going for a larger seed round now um, late, later this year. And yeah, and we've had a, a mixture of sort of VC backing and then also really credible angels like the former um, captain of the South African rugby team. Now that's an angel. That's probably yes. somebody you don't want to mess with. You don't want to mess with. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's exciting. So um, what... Um, um, geographically so how do you how do you get customers how do you get freelancers and then how do you get businesses how do you raise the awareness of this i guess i'm asking really how do you market this and how what's your customer acquisition cost yeah sure so i mean ultimately at its core the one thing that we really focus on is building a platform that freelancers love so much that they will tell other freelancers about it. And then every everything else we do, so we have a number of different sort of paid marketing campaigns and, and organic campaigns and so on, but everything, you know, is just kind of fueling that core um, flywheel, you know, of, of just building a platform that people yeah. want to share and talk to to other people about. So that's, that's the number one thing that we care about and really focus on. Um, and that means that our customer acquisition cost is actually very low. Um, so that's in in in, in fact, um, I, I don't want to say the exact number, but in my um, when we did our pre-seed sort of financial forecast, uh, where we secured a VC backing for for pre-seed, I estimated uh, that you know a freelance acquisition would would cost a you know a certain number. Um, I was told that I was being far too optimistic with that, but in reality, it's a quarter of that now consistently over more than a year. And is that because they like the platform, as you suggest? Is there it's any because other it, reason? It, 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 yeah, it's essentially um, we're very, very well aligned with what freelancers want. And freelancers tend to talk to mm. other freelancers and, and then share it. So ultimately, our, our actual cost per yeah. user acquisition is, is um, very low. So I think there's an important lesson here, and I just want to, I just want to underline it. And that is... Um, the way the system works today is, you know, to be honest with you, I've used them a number, I've used Fiverr a number of times. I'm actually using Fiverr right now for something, um, for an audio book. Um, but, but, and I would say that in all honesty, for me, it works pretty well. It's inexpensive. Like I'm getting an audio book done um, by someone who seems very experienced. And um, I don't know for a price that's, um, I'll even tell you what the price is. Two hundred and fifty dollars seems like ridiculously low. Now it's it's a, it's really a forty-page story, so it's not a whole novel or anything. But but to me that just seems so low. And he's doing sound effects. <laughs> he's going to do sound effects too. So so it's low. Um, and um, I feel somewhat guilty about that. But and I probably will show my guilt in giving him a bonus of some kind. But um, but it, it, it's pretty it's pretty doable. Um, now, on, on the freelancer side, it just seems wretched. It just seems awful. And the lesson I want to underline here and I want to leave you with the last word on this is this is what I really like about what you're doing is you're very dedicated to your customer, the freelancer. You you are really focused on what they want and you're listening to them. Um, so what 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 else do you have to do to make this a success, uh, Carl? Well, I mean, ultimately, as any two-sided marketplace, you kind of have to 
pick one side to prioritize and to favor. And um, large freelancing platforms, you know, all, all the large platforms have chosen the client. And, you know, to prioritize the, the, the client and their rationale for that is, you know, well, it's easier to get freelancers than clients because freelancers want something, obviously, like, you know, both the freelancer and yeah, you, the platform, wants something from the yeah. client. Yeah. Um, but if you start digging a bit more, it starts, starts actually really fall apart um, because ultimately, you know, it, it's, it com comes back to uh, what I said before, sort of with the commission fees, with interrupting people's work workflow. And, and actually, um if you take a site like Rightmove, uh, they are the the you know the the, the best and largest uh, sort sort of website for prospective home buyers, exactly because they didn't prioritize home buyers, right? Because home buyers aren't looking for the best platform experience. Obviously, that would be nice, but ultimately, home buyers are looking for sort of a good selection of homes, you know, that they might be able to to buy, and um, Rightmove were the first in their market to really prioritize real estate agents. And that way they got the most high quality listings. And that's what the home buyer is looking for. And just in the same way, our philosophy is that by prioritizing the freelancers, you know, we are nurturing the supply and actually then giving businesses the, the best possible su supply and the best possible outcome. So that's, that's really our, our kind of philosophy here. It's something I'm very passionate about, you know, ha have been for a long time. It's an industry I understand well. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited yeah. for, for the next steps. Carl Swanepoel is the CEO and founder of Revel Lancer at revellancer.com, a uh, site for freelancers that put free, that puts freelancers first. I'm Michael Conniff, the host of uh, The Accelerator. You've been listening here on one of the many podcast platforms we're available on. That's uh, Spotify and YouTube for video, Spotify for audio as well, and then all of the rest, Apple, Audible, Amazon. I, there are too many to, to count, too many to list, but you can find us in all of those. Please rate us, rank us, subscribe to us, and share this. Um, share this aggressively, as a chef friend of mine used to talk about. How do you, how do you season food aggressively? Do it aggressively. Do it a lot. Um, and Carl, I want to thank you. You've been a terrific guest, and uh, it's a compelling argument. And you you definitely say it well. And you know, because you're kind of from the UK, you you even sound you sound smart when you open your mouth. So <laughs> <laughs> you had us you had us at hello. Thank thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I want to thank all of you for listening. And remember, um, keep, keep watch for The Accelerator and The Angel because we'll be back with another podcast before you know it.